0: Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti Drug Coalition Podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now, here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti Drug Coalition Podcast. And we have a returning guest today, and this is Bradley Fields. Um, We had the opportunity of speaking with Bradley a little bit last week on uh, Celebrate Recovery. Yes. and I've heard Bradley speak before. He has a great story. And why we have Bradley here today is it's a great story. Um, but again, it's National Recovery Month. And we are just really wanting everyone to realize, to understand that recovery happens and it does. a sl- sober, drug free, drug free of addiction is a beautiful thing. It is. And uh, I'm just going to stop there and say, Bradley, would you mind telling us your story?
1: Uh, Yes. Well, like she said, I'm Bradley Fields. Um, I'm just going to go with how I tell people that I help when I minister, you know, I like to say that I can only tell you what God has walked me through, my testimony, and what that looked like in my life. So, and real quick, <clears throat>
0: you had mentioned last week that you would like to become a recovery pastor. Recovery what pastor. is that?
1: Just so, uh, recovery pastor is uh, just um, like uh, you know, right? A, a pastor, you know, f- you know, giving people, you know, meeting people right where you're at, but. Instead of like you know like a pastor like Pastor Travis and Leslie that go to Lifeway, my my pastors is uh, I do it in what God has shown me in a or, you know an addiction you know okay. showing people you know wh- where they've come from and wh- where God can have you you know give you purpose okay and that's what he's you know that's what I I see it to look like to, to work with people where I was once at awesome yeah awesome
0: okay so I interrupted you oh no, you're go. good.
1: You're good. So uh, yeah, like I said, I'll just, uh, I'll just really go from, you know, uh, where, you know, kind of how my life started. Uh, and then how I met Jesus. And, you know, that was the game changer. He changed everything. Awesome. So, you know, I grew up in a, a, you know, had a loving mother and father. Um, now there was a lot of generational curse stuff in my family, uh, like a lot of families. This is why I like to tell this part of my testimony because a lot of people, you know, families struggle with things and mine was alcoholism. Uh, but when I was young, you know, my dad's, my dad's dad, uh, struggled with alcoholism and my dad's father, uh, broke his neck, uh, from diving into a pool, uh, drunk. And, uh, that, you know, basically is what. You know, my dad at 13 years old had to take care of his quadriplegic father and that that took my dad into a place of, uh, you know, falling right into that generational stuff. using alcohol to numb the pain of not being able to grow up as a kid. And that's kind of what happened with me. You know, I seen my dad, you know wasn't there. My mom, you know, was an enabler, uh, you know, and, and they, it was kind of their life was surrounded around friends okay. and partying, but God, you know, was absent because I like to say my grandpa, my grandpa, my grandpa were grateful believers in Jesus and... My grandfather died when I was seven okay. and he was kind of the, he was the rock that kept, at, you know, church, you know, and when that happened, uh, the, the, like it says, the enemy comes to seek, kill and destroy, but God comes to give us life abundantly. And uh, that's what he did later in my life. But from the start of it, it pushed me, you know, my dad not being there, I never felt secure. So at, you know, 12 years old through a friend, I was introduced to marijuana okay. and that's really, uh, it, it really never took a hold of me, but it was something I used to to numb the pain. I thought, you know, as a young kid, well, you know, I won't drink alcohol, but I'll do th- I'll do this, which is <laughs> it's no different. Now, growing um, up
0: at those ages, with your dad <clears throat> struggling with alcohol, yeah. um, what did that look like in your home? Was, was it uh, abusive? Was it well? Just...
1: It was a lot of, of verbal abuse, okay. you know, between him and my mother. Okay. Uh, you know, and then. Yeah, You know, my my parents did a lot of like, it was, they did a lot of camping, I should say. They like to do that with friends and it was all surrounded around alcohol. So me and my sister were off doing whatever, you know, with no parental guidance, you know. Uh, And again, I know times are different, but... Still, there was you know nothing nothing there there was when the when the alcohol wore off and the next morning it was continual from what I can remember from you know pretty much that eight eight nine years old up until my mom and dad finally separated and divorced was only fighting and arguing and you know just just that's all it really, yeah. all I ever really remember, to be honest with you. So
0: Bradley, I just want to pull something out because often we talk about alcohol, um, and our young people. And one of the things we just always want listeners to realize that kids are watching and even if you don't have a problem with alcohol, if, if you're a frequent drinker and you're not having conversations with your young people, um, Children can just think it's normal, yeah. or this is how we recreate, this is how we do life together, and it makes it much more, this is yeah. just part of my life, or it's going to be part of my life, so yeah. I appreciate you kind of saying that.
1: Yeah, well, that's like one of the things you just said, like the, the kids think it while well, they do it, because what did I remember? Oh, go, go get me, go get me a beer. You know, and it's so then, you know, your brain's not developed, you know, so that's what you're seeing. So that was the same thing when I when I started smoking pot, it was it was, oh, I can get rid of all these all those feelings. That And, and God didn't show me this till, you know, later in my walk with Jesus, that he put me in a place to look at my dad from that perspective. Well, what would my dad go through? Hmm. You know, and he just went through the same, he taught the same thing he was taught. Yeah. So, and that's what happened to me in my life. I did that for a long time, you know, uh, pretty much all through my adulthood, you know, and then, yeah, I started, God was always there, though. I always had good jobs. And then I started using money to feel secure because I never had security, uh, you know, because we were always bouncing around from here to there. My, My dad really didn't get stuff together until, you know, him and my mom separated and he knew that was it. You know, he. Came. So, how old
0: were you when they separated? Uh,
1: I would have been four. Or I was separated when I was, was twelve. Was right about that time when I started. Uh, I was introduced to marijuana. Uh, they separated back and forth for about two years. So it was about fourteen.
0: So were you drinking and smoking pot, or you no? I was smoking? mainly.
1: It was mainly just smoking pot. Okay. Yeah, the two. You know, two didn't really mix. You know, uh, so yeah, that's that's. I just smoked pot, but uh-uh. okay. So that went on for pretty much through my young adulthood. Again, like I said, I had a good job. I always had good jobs. I started working at 15 because my dad worked. That was one, like I said, my dad loved me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He, he promised he made, you know, when my mom and dad finally separated, got divorced is when my dad started, well, now I gotta be a dad. And, and you know, he started, you know, God gave him a good job, uh, uh and, he bought us a house, and that's how I ended up in Kaiga Falls. But up until that point, we bounced around from house to house. Okay.
0: <laughs> I love that you said, you know, your dad was struggling with his addiction, mm. but he loved you. Yeah. And I think that's important if you don't understand addiction. Addiction doesn't make you a bad person. It means that you're addicted to a substance or whatever you're addicted yeah. to, but it didn't change. I heard you say that early on. You came from a loving family. Yeah. Your parents cared about you. Just kind of wanted to. Yeah.
1: Well, and and I think that's most parents, you know, I mean, they love their kids. You know, it's, it's always, I was talking to Travis and Leslie. There's always a starting point from somewhere that something happens that, you know, gets in the middle of you and ultimately recovery, you know, healing, you know, and and we suppress it with something, you know, there's, there's just so much you uh, could do it with the mine was just happened to be, you know, drugs. Yeah. And again, it never got a hold of me. Uh, but, and then when I started working, uh, I thought everything was good. But then money became my, like I said, I had a lot of security issues and I didn't realize that till later, you know, when I started actually, you talked about Celebrate Recovery, I started working a 12 step program and, and really looking at. Resentments. What happened? What what was really bothering me? Started bringing that stuff up to light, uh, and uh, I didn't really see that. But jobs, you know, money became my god when I was young because I I got security out of that. I I couldn't run fast enough away from my mom and dad. You know, I moved out when I was seventeen years old. Uh, I worked for the union, uh, you know, I, it was material things made give me gave me comfort along with okay. the marijuana. So okay. <clears throat> So
0: marijuana, money, money.
1: Yep. And then that went on for many years, just until, uh, really went on. Uh, I ended up meeting my wife, Danielle, okay. uh, in 2004 and we have a son, Anthony, 16 now. Uh, and we had, a, everything was good. You know, I had a good job. I, I right out of high school. I ended up getting a job through a family member, my dad's brother. I was a uh, aerial inspector. Okay. Uh, I worked on, you know, Expensive fire trucks and everything was good. But again, that generational stuff slipped in because the same thing with my wife. She, you know, had a dad that you know, was a single parent. Her mom walked out on her and her sister when she was young. So there was a lot of, he was never there. He was always working. And that's kind of what happened with my dad is it went to him working. And then, you know, he still struggled with alcoholism, going to bars. So then me and my wife, that's what we did. Okay, We had friends. We, you know, there was drinking then, you know what I mean? As we got older, but it was always, you know, stemmed around the, the, what we were growing around, party lifestyle. Okay. You know what I mean? So that happened, uh, you know. That's kind of what you know. Again, how uh, our relationship went. It was based around that. Uh, again, with our son, same thing. You know, we didn't. We give you know, it was electronics. You know, giving him electronics while we were partying with our friends okay. and thinking everything was okay, but no, bills not being paid, and then you know, ultimately, what? Go ahead.
0: So you and your wife started kind of partying together. Yeah. Like after you were married.
1: Uh, no, when you, probably we, I met her. So my wife worked in a bar actually. Okay. Yeah, so it was, uh, probably from the beginning, but know. that
0: turned into addiction. It wasn't from day one. No. Yeah.
1: I actually got uh, what led me down, like where, what, what the addiction that was my, you know, brought me to rock bottom was, uh, through a motorcycle accident, okay. uh, in 2008, it, but we were, like I said, partying, I was riding, I rode motorcycles, uh, something I learned from my dad. My dad was a biker okay. as it, you can see the tattoos, but, uh, uh, so, you know, I got in a bad motorcycle accident in 2008. Uh, A year after Danielle and I got married and it was due to, you know, I I was drinking, I I had smoked, you know, and, uh, I got in a real bad accident and that's what led me into using prescription pain pills. Okay. And that was the beginning of, uh, you know, like I'd say the end until I met God. So I'm
0: just going to throw this out on the whole addiction thing. You didn't set out to abuse the prescription pain pills.
1: No, not at all.
0: Um, when we when you look at addiction, when you look at addiction in our county, you'll see it goes to heroin to fentanyl. Yeah, um that's
1: how I ended up.
0: But often it starts without intent to become addicted. You know, we, we hear that story often a sports injury, a work injury, right. an accident. Um which just kind of gets the ball rolling. And if you had addiction in your family, you were probably already primed there a little bit as well.
1: And that's the thing. Like it wasn't, like I say, I smoked, you know, and stuff. I didn't, I worked, you know what I mean? I I was, I I worked on million dollar fire. So I, I would do it on the weekends. It wasn't an everyday thing. Okay. You know, with my dad, it was different. You know, it was right it was right from the bar you know work to the bar, and I you know I took care of the household. But with Danielle and I, it was a weekend thing. It was she had a good job, okay. I had a good job. She had got into medical billing and coding, nursing stuff like that. Okay. So it wasn't an everyday thing. Why I bring the, what the, with the opiates is uh, that was that
0: was a game changer. That
1: was like people can drink all their life, have a drink here and there, and there's that one time where something. You know, it, it changes something in your brain, the chemistry in your brain. And that's what the, the opiates did to me. Okay. And, uh, I got, you know, I was prescribed a heavy dose uh, and I wasn't abusing them. It, it was about a six month thing, but. Uh, that's you know, a long it,
0: time to be. Yeah, on. It
1: was, you know, I had bad injuries. I'd fractured my back. Uh, I had severe road rash, broke my fibula, tore my road. I mean, I, I was lucky to be alive, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I was on a pretty heavy dose to even sleep at night for the first two months. Okay. You know, they had me on almost 10 pain pills and I just, and I I wasn't even sleeping. I was in so much pain. My wife took care of me she, you know, for like eight, almost eight weeks. Oh, wow. You know?
0: So this took you on a whole new path. Now we're addicted to prescription pain pills. Yeah. How'd that play out for you?
1: Uh, well, uh, a lot of uh, I did a lot of hiding and isolating. Like I, I don't know how to say. Like I did it private. I guess I could say privately, but my my wife, I hid. Uh, I was you know I I played it off. Like I got they took me off pain pills. Well, I didn't share none of that. I felt shame, and I was like I'd never. You know I had buddies that had got addicted to heroin, and and I i didn't understand it you know i was like i you know how can you just not stop i smoked pot my whole life and only right. done it on the weekend i don't get that and it was kind of harsh to people uh, that i knew that were going through addiction because i didn't know what addiction looked like yeah. i had no idea until that happened i knew the moment like i said it stems from a moment i asked the doctor the last paint the description they gave me i asked him to give me another one because he said he was going to cut me off and at that moment I knew something was happening, but I I just ignored you were
0: fearful it. or mm-hmm. like anxious yeah, when he said that. I, I
1: ignored it and uh, I played it off from there because I was in pain management. I played it off. I was like, well, I'll use that to hide that from my wife. So it started with a lie, and it it just was lie after lie after lie. I would tell her, you know, I was still doing pain management. I'd go to the doctors, but I was ultimately, eventually, when I, you know, I was drug-seeking, I would go to the doctor for an injury. Oh, I hurt my leg. You know, I was doing that a lot because of the work I was doing. Sure, sure. And she didn't know that was going on. Uh, and then when that dried out, I just, yeah, that's when then, I turned to the, a buddy or, you know, it was a friend that was in pain management. Okay. And I started buying pills and ultimately led to me, you know, in 2000, that went on for five years.
0: How long did you hide that from Danielle then?
1: Oh, uh, they, really, she started noticing... Uh, when I started buying them, uh, when I couldn't get the drug seeking anymore, I did the drug seeking, but I bet you a good two years, Okay, dentist toothache, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I was managing them. I should say, uh, well, that's what I thought in my head. I I was only doing so many a day, you know what I mean? Just to feel okay and uh so yeah that probably till about 2013 when i started buying them from a friend i would set 200 aside to buy them and then that you know stuff started stemming from that like you know she started yeah, man- for- managing the books like well, we're always short a little bit of money was, yeah. you know so that's where it started and then i actually my dad had a stroke and that's when that happened is when i turned to uh, I did heroin for the first time. I was just so distraught. Almost lost my dad. Uh, did
0: I, you go looking for the heroin or someone? Uh, no, provided? I couldn't get
1: the pain pills, and I had a buddy that I just, you know, was hanging out with that lived close to my dad. Said, "Hey, try this." And then once I tro- tried that, it was cheaper. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: By that time, and I'm sure. assuming you
0: didn't shoot it up the first time. No, with heroin no, no, no. I, I say that because sometimes people feel, you know, you're using heroin, you're shooting up, but that's not kind of how this works, right? You're describing really a textbook addiction to prescription med right now. So Yeah,
1: no, I started, uh, well, that's, you're right, right, it's gradual. I started, I was just eating pills and then it turned into snorting pills uh, and then that's when the heroin was snorting it. That's what I did and I ended up, uh, I was, that was it you know, and then, uh, I say heroin, but ultimately, and this is the crazy, this is just how God works for, I know the plans I have for you. says, because, uh, I was actually doing fentanyl and I didn't know it. I did it for almost a year. I ended up overdosing. Uh, again, I wasn't doing When you start doing a a drug like that, heroin and fentanyl, it's like the, the quantity that you have to do is nothing. And uh, that's all I did. So again, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm only doing this much. It's better a than a couple grains. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's better than buying, you know, ninety pills. Right. You know, I was doing up to ten pills a day, but in that, that's that's enough to, you know, to kill people. Yeah. You know, but again, I had I didn't know what that looked like. I had nobody. I hid it from everybody. My dad didn't know until I went into recovery uh, about what I was doing. So, so that's you were when still
0: I, working, holding oh, yeah. down your job, going
1: to work every day, going to work every day, and then when stuff fell apart was 2015. I had done, I was out with Danielle again. Like I said, she, we liked the, the, I met her in a bar. So we like to hang out with friends in the bar scene. And I had done, I had had a couple of drinks and I normally, like I said, I've never really got into drinking. Well, I did that with a little bit of, I snorted a little bit of fentanyl and I was, everything was fine. I was hanging out with my son and that's what the drug did to me. It made me like Okay, everything's, uh, I feel okay. I didn't know what dope being dope sick was yet. I had not a clue because I had money. I, I worked a good job. So I had never went without the drug. You know what I mean? Okay. And when I overdosed, I was with my son watching the, I think it was the first Avengers movie. And I wake up and I'm in an ambulance.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Like, I'm not, I don't even know what's going on. And, uh, and that's where it started. They were asking my wife questions. What did he do? You know, we knew he did something. You know, eventually she finally told me later after we had all got back together and everything, but uh, about that, what they asked her, you know, about, you know, how they seen stuff in my nose and da-da-da-da-da. And I hit it and I went, with, I, I overdose. I go to the hospital. I come right back home. All I'm worried about the whole time is, did they find my stuff so I can have some when I get home? And that's the... That's the the addiction and the the sickness of the mind and what it does to you. So it was pretty, uh, but that's how that played out. And then a year later, Danielle ended up uh, moving out. And then, you know, I pretty much pushed her out of the house. I knew I I was probably
0: use with her in the house. Well, I was
1: hopeless, to be honest with you, Jody. I was hopeless. I I was so shameful that I, I was the dad that took care of my son and took care of my wife. And I, I was just—I I didn't want to be around anybody. I totally isolated to the basement. At the whole last year, we didn't even talk. There was no relationship, and it was just about me and the drug. And I, I, I didn't—I I didn't have any hope. Okay. There was none. You know, nothing, nothing i see no end okay i see no end so So was that rock bottom right there no it wasn't uh they left i pushed them out of the house like i said i gave her no choice uh rock bottom was after they left it got even worse the isolation uh the quantity i I had uh, actually forfeited my job i quit going to work i tried i tried to fight the addiction let me i think we all fight you know what i mean god gives us you know it's he, he, we're his, whether yeah. we know that or not. And uh, I fought to try to to stop, and I couldn't. It was the addiction was so bad. I was getting sick every four or five hours from fentanyl. I
0: always think that's great for people to hear. No one wants this. There's, yeah. you're never going to find an addict who says, "Sign me up." You know, yeah. this is what I want to be doing.
1: And I fought it uh, every day. My mom was like, they, like "I said my mom was an enabler." That was the first person that I told what was going on, but I lied. I still lied. I was like, "Oh, I'm only doing pills." I couldn't tell her I'm doing you know, the strongest street sure. drug there is, you know, so she would see me fight. She'd get me, she'd be an encourager, try to stop, try to stop. And I was just, you know, I would try for three days and I'd end you up You never going. went to a
0: meeting or anything like that at no, this that point? No, that wasn't until my aunt,
1: my dad's sister, uh, okay. got me to go to meetings. And um, that was, that was a good start because, uh, she asked me to go, uh, my mom had stopped helping me by that time. And my, I can't even remember my aunt, how she, how she, uh, reached out to me. My, probably my grandma, me and my grandma are very close. I'm her number one. I'm the first grandson. So of course, I'm our number so. one grandson, but, uh, she, she reached out to me and my, my cousin, same thing. Her son went through, uh, he's awesome sponsor, everything. He's been clean seven years now. He struggled with alcoholism. Okay. And uh, so she got me to go to meetings, and again I was using the whole time. Uh, really, it was God that intervened. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. There was nothing uh, I could do. I ended up getting in trouble. Uh, ending up going, i uh, be sick, and I was trying to go get drugs from being sick. I ended up getting pulled over, and I got, uh, I got hit with a possession charge. Okay, uh, and that's really where the forced recovery started. That's, that was, uh, rock bottom. I, I started, I ended up getting in trouble. I got out, got in trouble again. And, uh, eventually I was, you know, they had offered me a program, uh, in Summit County. It was drug through drug court. And I ended up getting into uh, the Oriana house and I went into a six, six month program. It was, that was it. So I ended up working a program. It was awesome. Uh, I was in a facility kind of like what, uh, if anybody knows about drug court, but, uh, there are, you know, self, you know, I tried to go in to recovery myself. It didn't work through my aunt helping me. I ended up leaving. Uh, and then I got forced into the, I I ended up getting in trouble. Um, that kind of went forward there. Sorry. Uh, but I did, I, I went into a, I actually, uh, I admitted myself to a recovery and I walked out of it. Uh, didn't want anything to do with it. And then I, I ended up going to get drugs, like I said, and I ended up getting in trouble. But I did a six-month program through the Oriental House, uh, worked program, worked to steps, so went into classes. I did counseling therapy classes, thinking for change, thinking errors, all kinds of classes that they offer that I know now God used because now I can use them for yeah, other people. Yeah, you got a foundation. Uh, but my wife and I started talking. She started, see, we got back together. Well, God, it's so cool. I celebrate recovery and how God works is... He started working on my wife, she had met a friend that was a pastor and uh, that she went to school with because okay. my wife was having to go, it got so bad for her when I got in trouble. Uh, you know, she wasn't getting when I, when I forfeited my job, she wasn't getting child support anymore. She ended up going to food pantries, struggling, you know, not knowing how she was going to feed our son. And I didn't know any of this and, uh, but, uh, she met a pastor friend of hers that got her plugged into the church and they started doing ministry uh food outreach for the homeless and uh then i started well when i worked recovery i they I, through that whole recovery which was sad to me was is no there was no god in it and that's like pastor leslie oh, we, we've talked about this it's, there was no god there was no higher power it was just it was just program program you know change your mind change your thinking And that's Jesus is the only answer to any of that. So I didn't know. I was like, all I knew is I want my wife and son back. So, okay, cool. I'll go to church. Well, God was working there, got me to go to church. And I started hearing about Jesus and again, didn't know any of it because once my, I said earlier, my grandpa passed away, we fell away from the church. My grandma, my, like I said, this is, the, he was, it was the halt there. My mom's quit going and we didn't do none of that. But uh, I, so I started going to church and then my, uh, I got, a, I got out of the program. We got back together, started slow. I was living with my mom and uh, going to church. But then uh, I, I like to say the enemy likes to do, he comes to seek, kill and destroy. You know, he waits around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to pounce on. Uh, to devour. And, um, that's what he did because I, I see it now now working with people in recovery, people, it's like the enemy gives them a job right away. It's always work. Oh, I got this job. I'm working seven days a week, but I have no time for recovery. Uh-huh. And that's what happened to me. I had got a job. It looked good. And, but I walked right into a buddy that was used and oh, I heard about you use and I walk in and they're, they're doing pills right on the table. So I I, rel- I ended up relapsing and, uh, I ended up, I ended up cause I was on probation. I ended up going into county jail for, I never did prison. I, I got by the grace of God and that never happened, but I, I, I had, you know, county jails here and there. Um, so I went into a pro I went in and like I said, I had heard about Jesus and it's all God is so awesome. I ended up, I ended up being in there with three guys that were just Bible uh, 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 and, and I ended up going to see the chaplain and I ended up giving my life to Christ. Uh, in that 30 day, uh, you know, jail, incarceration, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, I guess I met Jesus, but, uh, and then, um, I read, I started reading the Bible. The, I read the book of Jeremiah. Uh, that's what God, and I didn't know the Holy spirit yet. God put that on my heart. And I, I didn't even get out of the whole book of Jeremiah that he was in prison most of you know, his life, but I got out of it, the fear of God. And that's, that's where he started working in my life. like, wow, if I, I got to quit messing around. You know what I mean? Or I can, and not, that's not God. Yeah. God's a loving God, but that's what He had to do with me. And I'm
0: smiling <clears throat> because I have a friend right now and her son just, he was incarcerated. Mm. And I know it's real hard on a mom. And sometimes you're saying, sometimes it's just the best place. I mean,
1: for me, it was. Me I, it was. I hear that
0: often, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just, is
1: My mom was right there with me the whole time. That's who I was always you talking You say that to. right in that camera. <laughs> that my mom was with me all the time. So don't ever lose hope. Always be there for them, you know, but if that means we have to stop and we can't enable. So, but you still have to love them.
0: That's a conversation we have. It's a fine balance for a mom because every child needs that love for that mom. That's just going to unconditionally love them, but yet not enable. And that, that's a hard, I, I can only imagine a hard place to be, you know, yeah. how do you do that but
1: my mom's test is and that's she said that's a whole nother testimony the the relationship my mom has with jesus now because of we do need to bring a mom in here one
0: time because i know that's a whole different perspective Mm -hmm. on how this happens yeah um but to trust enough that you can love on your child Mm -hmm. and yet trust that those consequences might bear fruit. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Well, those consequences for your action. But again, uh, that's how I met God. You know what I mean? He knew what I needed. I didn't know. Yeah. And when I gave my life to Christ, you know, I ended up, it was literally, it looked like, because like, I had gotten in trouble, it, it, they, uh, it was looking like they could throw the book, you know, I, I could go to jail. That's what I'm hearing from my lawyer. Like, you, you know, they're going to send you to prison you know, you screwed up. And I was like, I just, I screwed up once. You know what I mean? I was doing so good. I I couldn't see any of that. And uh, ultimately the the moment I gave my life to Christ, I ended up getting out 15 days later (laughs) and it was just everything from that point started opening up. And, uh, and and then from there, you know, I got out and I always, uh, this, I have to share just because people won't maybe not understand it, but the, the Holy spirit is real. It's tangible. It's, it's in us. Once we give our life to Christ. Well, when I got out, like I literally thought I was going crazy. I didn't know which way to go. I was being pulled from the left to the right. I, I knew I'd given my life to Jesus, but I didn't know what that looked like. Well, I had come to a point of, I hadn't surrendered yet. Yeah. Okay. I want to, yeah, this Jesus guy, you know, cool. That's, but I don't know nothing, you know? And so I felt like I was going nuts for like three days when I got out, In there, I got offered a program, a turning point program by Judge O'Field, amazing uh, drug court judge, and uh, I got it was a year program. I was out, and it was uh, totally awesome. But uh, when that try in between when I got out, my like I literally thought I was going crazy. Like uh, I just uh, just the stuff I didn't even know. I was just being I really don't. But anyways, I ended up surrendering on my mom's floor. God, I can't do this. I don't know how to live and and what we call the baptism of the holy spirit that's where god completely delivered me from my addiction like it was gone but i i laid like i wept for two hours which with so with no god.
0: cravings no t- temptation
1: absolutely gone and then i met uh after i did that happened it was It was just, it's always been increased since then. You know, I I got right into the church I was going to. Uh, I met uh, my spiritual father now, Greg Walker. Uh, I walked alongside him for two years doing street ministry where God, where I ended up in the streets at the end, you know. I, like i said i was i i, I wasn't homeless because i always had my mom to go to but i put myself in the streets god didn't he doesn't waste any time he took me right back out there and uh that was one thing and he sent me with greg he, jesus says i i send you out two by two and he so if one falls the other can pick him up uh but and then i just you know that's what my discipleship looked like from that point on after i completely surrendered because god just delivering me from that, and this is how. And I said that to him. I said, "I don't know how to live without drugs. I don't." I, and he said, and "That's when you know he, he baptized me in the Holy Spirit, and it's just been amazing Fun. since yeah. then." Yeah. So totally cool. But I just got into street ministry, you know, through the Turning Point program that I worked. I literally. Now, were you
0: working a regular <laughs> job while you're doing yeah. street min- well, okay.
1: well, no. I actually for a whole year. Danielle said, "This is what you're going to do." I, I struggled without you. You're going to stay with Greg for a whole year. I didn't work, and trying to fight against that was hard because I, you know, I'm a man. I'm supposed to do this, but I just submitted. You know, I obeyed. I was obedient to God. You know, through prayer, and uh, I just I, I went with Greg every single day.
0: It's neat that you had that opportunity because, like you said, that that work that you could define yourself in or that you could lose yourself in wasn't a distraction at this point.
1: No, not after that, that moment. Yeah. It was, it was that's really all, how I can explain uh, complete surrender. Like people don't get, like I didn't get it at first. How do you just surrender? And, and it was just, that's all it was. It was that simple. I just, I, I laid my heart out, you know, I just couldn't do it anymore. And he met, he met me right there. And, and from that point on, like I said, I started reading the Bible uh, and, and, Ever, his words spoke to me every single time I read it, you know, and and one of the verses he gave me was on the day I called, uh, you answered me, my strength of soul, you increased. And then from that point, anything I was going through, that's what my mentor taught me was always back it up to the, wor- the word of God, because the word of God is Jesus.
0: And, so how long ago was that?
1: Uh, I actually will have three years with uh, born again, uh, September 26th this month.
0: Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So what's life like now?
1: uh, amazing. It's, it's uh, joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's, uh, you know, walking, knowing that I'm a child of God and that my heavenly father is always there for me. And it's just been, uh, uh, like I said, I said, it's been increase. uh, just the things he shows me, you know, uh, through prayer and you know, with celebrate recovery, the life way, uh, you know, I'd got a word from my through my work. You know, it, there's a verse that says, If your faith faithful with a little, I'll set you over much. And that's what I've done. I've done the I've worked out the little things. You asked me about work. I ended up getting a job after a year. God gave me a job. A buddy came to me, uh, working at a, a, a Boston Mills Brandywine, you know, going from an eighty thousand dollar a year job to eight dollars and fifty cents. And I was like, you know what. God gave it to me. So I'm going to do it. And, and now I have my own paint. I work with another guy, uh, painting professionally. Oh, I've nice. been doing that for, uh, three years. Cool. So yeah.
0: So family awesome. doing well.
1: Yeah. You doing and Danielle? Amazing. Danielle, uh has found her place in celebrate recovery Uh, it's just answers to prayers because you know i always that's something i prayed for for her to find recovery because you know not being in my shadow because that's she's she struggled you know she struggles through that when we talk you know well you're here and i'm here well you're supposed to be where you're at that's where god wants you you know and with that's the beauty of celebrate recovery you know, it's her habits and hang-ups, and hers wasn't an addiction. You know, sure. it was things that she went through in her life, things that, you know, and forgiveness that had to happen, healing, so.
0: Neat. Yeah. So you're giving back. You're mm-hmm. loving on people, doing yep. life here.
1: Yep. Yeah, God let us down here. We're glad you're in Tuscaloosa County. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll
0: well, tell you what, we're going to wrap up. Okay. But, Bradley, what else would you like to say with someone either actively an addiction or to someone new or into recovery or to family members that might still be hearts heavy.
1: Well, somebody that's an active addiction, I would say to you that just because you feel they don't understand, they still love you. And to just ask, to just reach out to, to not, don't let yourself be isolated. Don't think that just because they, Oh, this person didn't, didn't go through, what I went through, if it wasn't for people helping me, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And, and, and just knowing that, that all you have to do is ask. And the phone can feel so heavy. It's it as simply, it's just, you know, I'm lost, I'm broken, I need help. And uh, turn to your family members because that's... What, what i did so and the same thing with family members just because they've stole you know robbed you know tr- lost all trust i did that to my family member i did it to my mom yeah my mom of all people trying to help me you know i was stealing from her by the end of my addiction you know because i was lost and but she she was yes she had to she never stopped loving me you know she was always there for me so i just say that you know always have hope uh
0: and isolation is not your friend. It's right?
1: not. It's not. One of the things
0: <laughs> that I love on my job to get to sit here is every time we have someone that is in recovery, um, I see your heart. Like There's not anyone that could not reach out to you after hearing this podcast that you would not say, hey, let's go get some coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing when someone's in recovery. They just have a heart for someone that, that hasn't found that hope yet. Um so just to know, you can reach out to someone. I mean, any of us here, anyone in recovery, you can go to a Celebrate Recovery group. You can reach out to our local agencies. They're great.
1: Oh, there's so many resources.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, if if you're looking for resources, they're here. If you're looking for someone just to listen, we can, we're here. You know what I mean?
1: I'm here, yes.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. So...
1: That's recovery, recovery pastor. Is what? Uh, that's what a recovery pastor looks like to me. My wife called me today through a friend that I've seen. You know what God's done in our lives, and and how how He's worked with me. Somebody reached out to today. Hey, you got ten minutes to talk to somebody that's uh, got out of a program, and that's exactly where I was at. Oh well, I'm going to do this, you know, because I worked a program. Well. Wow. That's not necessarily, you got to keep working on a program. It's moment by moment recovery. It never stops.
0: Well, I just want to thank you for being here today, you, sharing your story, sharing hope. Um, pretty awesome. So thank you thank so much. You. Okay, guys, we'll catch you next week. Hey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscara's County Anti-Drug Coalition Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.